The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. I sought the Lord, and afterward I knew He moved my soul to seek Him, seeking me. It was not I that found no Savior true. No, I was found of Thee. Thou didst reach forth Thine hand and mine enfold. I walked and sank not on the storm-vexed sea. T'was not so much as I on Thee took hold. As thou, dear Lord, on me, I find I walk, I love, but oh, the whole of love is but my answer, Lord, to thee. For thou wert long beforehand with my soul. Always thou lovest me. Thou lovest me. Thou lovest me. Always thou lovest me. I sought the Lord, and afterward I knew He moved my soul to seek Him, seeking me. It was not I that found no Savior true. No, I was found Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I've discovered through the years that people's hearts are set ablaze by many different things. A heart can be set on fire by the lust for a new car or by the lust for the trading company. Gold, silver. The heart can be set ablaze for a woman or sex, pornography. A heart can be set ablaze, can be set on fire with many things in this world. But I've also noticed something very interesting to me, and also it has caused me great anguish of heart, that people basically are going to end up going for what they love. I have poured my heart out as a pastor for many different people, and they've made progress on the Christian journey until they reach a certain point and then they they flee. Why? Because that point that they've arrived at demands a deeper sacrifice of their lives. And they're willing to take certain steps but they're not willing to take other steps. And so, to my great sadness, I have people who have been in my life who are no longer there. They're gone. Well, they found a a reason to be angry with me, forgetting all that I had done for them. 
But this one issue is so big, I can't get around it, Pastor. I'm leaving. What I've discovered is that is that people whom I love are only going to go so far with the gospel. And when they reach that point, they're gone. They settle into whatever religion they can maintain. They settle into an immature place where they try to achieve their goals, but their goals are not compatible with the goals of Jesus Christ. And much to my sorrow, very often people have walked away from the National Prayer Chapel, from Pilgrim's Progress, from me. Because it's not really what they want. Most people, I find, want a comfortable religion that will comfort them. They want a comfortable religion that will ease their burden or their pain or give them strategies for success. But they also want a comfortable American lifestyle. They want both worlds. They want Jesus and they want their way. And when we come to Jesus, we no longer get our way. It's his way or the highway. I'm very concerned about America. I'm concerned about the election. I'm concerned about what's happening to this nation as it slides towards socialism or Marxism. I've been fasting and praying and crying out to God for America. I know he hears me. I know he hears you. For many of you have also been fasting and praying and crying out to God. I will continue to do that. But bottom line, this is in God's hands, not mine. Now, that doesn't cause me to be discouraged. I walk by faith and not by sight. I'm not a double-minded man. I know what I want. I want Jesus. I want the kingdom of God to be built I want men and women who are willing to lay their lives down for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want men and women, boys and girls, who will allow their hearts to be set aflame, to be set on fire by love for Jesus Christ, who will not count anything dear other than knowing Jesus and walking with him. That's the heart of the issue. Will we walk with Jesus out of this world and into the next? My dad used to always say to me, Raymond, your last day on earth and your first day in heaven, inside you will be the same person. And either you are fit for heaven by the power of the Holy Spirit in regeneration, the washing in the blood, or you're not fit and you won't go. You're not going to be changed at the last minute. Well, our bodies are going to be changed, Paul says, in a, in a, in a flash, in a moment. The corruptible will put on incorruption. He's right. 
That's not talking about character. That's talking about the physical body we live in. And so the truth is, the life you're living right now is the life you've chosen. Your life is made up of many events, many choices that you've made, and by the direction the Lord God of heaven has given you. And if you have resisted that, and if you've said no to that, then you're responsible for the life you now have. How's it working out for you? I know that the life I have, with the pain, the suffering, the success, the failure, I've received it all from the hand of God. And it has both encouraged my heart and changed my heart. It's caused me to grow up and become a man. I cannot afford any longer to be a boy. When I became a man, I put away childish things. We're all required to become men and women of God. But it's going to require that we make some very difficult decisions. And it's going to require that we not stop and become stubborn, but search the Word. And the Word is not for private interpretation. Please hear that. I'll give you a very specific example. If a man says to me, I have the gift of the Holy Spirit, I know he is with me, I am an honest follower of Jesus, but he has no fruit in his life of men and women being saved and brought to Jesus, and he's not interested in that, and he's not crying out to God about that, I know that he has a private interpretation of Scripture that is not in line with the Word of God. Matthew 24 is very clear. We are to preach repentance to the nations. And as we preach repentance to the nations, the result is in God's hands. But if you're not witnessing and you're not sharing and you're not confronting people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and you say, I'm a wonderful Christian man or woman and I'm on my way to heaven, you have a private interpretation of Scripture that is not in accord with the Word of God. Now this brings me to a story, an incredible story of a man who many Jewish scholars through the years have considered a man as great or greater than King David or King Solomon. And that's King Josiah. Josiah's father was Ammon, the son of Manasseh. Manasseh was without a doubt the most evil king that ever ruled in Judah. He filled the streets with blood. Extra-biblical sources tell us that he martyred Isaiah. Ammon became king when he was very young. And by the time he was 24 years of age, he had set solidly in stone the direction of his life, and it was evil. It was wicked. He was leading Israel again into the sins of his father Manasseh. And so he was assassinated by some of his people at the age of 24. This means that Josiah grew up without a father. When he was eight years of age, he was placed on the throne of Judah. 
and he reigned in Jerusalem for 31 years. When he was 26 years old, he began to move with power, directing his kingdom to renovate the temple of the Lord. Now, I want to share with you the the big picture of what was going on in that culture. There were idols on every hand. There were fertility poles, Asherah poles. In fact, there were even poles honoring sex in the temple of God. Male prostitutes had rooms in the temple of God where they lived and practiced their trade. The horrible altars of Ammon, Moloch, the horrible sacrifice of children to the God of Moab, all of these still stood. They'd never been cleaned out. And so this is a culture that is very prosperous. Money is flowing. Silver and gold are flowing. Trade and commerce, it's all happening. And this this man has determined in his heart to do what is right in the eyes of the Lord. And he walked in the ways of his father David. And he didn't turn to the left or to the right. But now he's 26 years of age. He is secure on the throne. He was not assassinated at the age of 24, as was his father. And now he has to decide... What is he going to do? And and his urge is to hire carpenters and builders and masons to purchase timber and dress stone and to repair and renovate the temple of God. That's his cry. Now the high priest comes to the secretary, to the king, and he says, I found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. And he gave it to the secretary. The secretary takes it to the king. And he begins to read aloud to the king from the book of the law. Now, we don't know where he was reading. He may very well have read in Deuteronomy the blessings and the curses. But he read the book to the king. As the king heard the words of the book of the law, he rose up and he tore his garments and he began to weep. He began to cry. This king, this 26-year-old young man, begins to weep and cry. Why? Because he sees clearly the anger God has against his people. Now, this is going to be a surprise to some of you. But if you're walking in sin before God, he is angry with you. And he's been very tolerant of you. A businessman that I know, I saw yesterday, And I just, to make conversation, casually ask him, how was your Thanksgiving? He said, oh, it was an awesome day. We had a good day. I said, wow, what did you do? He got this very contented look on his face. He said, I had the most wonderful meal. It was a good meal. And I ate all I wanted. And he would have been okay if he'd stopped right there, but he didn't. He said, and then I drank too much. I had too many beers. And I sat and watched the football game. It was a great day. God is very angry with that man. And that man 
who claims to be a Christian has the wrath of God on him because he loves the world. He loves the flesh. And because he loves the world and he loves the flesh and he participates in the things of darkness, the wrath of God is upon his life. I ended the conversation right there. I didn't want to speak with the man any further. And so I said, I'll see you later. And I walked away. I wanted nothing to do with him. He is a man who calls himself a Christian, who is filled with darkness. It broke my heart. And this is a man I've often witnessed to. I've often invited him into the depths with Jesus, and he blows me off. I'll not talk with him any further. I'm done. And at some point, if it hasn't already taken place, God is going to say, I'm done with that man. I'm giving him over. In Romans 1, I'm giving him over to utter darkness. He had his opportunity. He was not interested. It's over. Now, I hasten to add that God is very patient and very kind and very merciful. And he calls time after time after time. But for every man and every woman, there is a cup of iniquity. And when that cup of iniquity is full, God is done with you. Now, when I look at this story, what was it that set the heart of Josiah on fire? It was when he suddenly began to understand the wrath of God that was against him. Now, he'd lived in the midst of all this wickedness, his family's wickedness. He knew the idols were all there. He knew the male prostitutes were there, and he had not thrown them out. He knew that Israel, or that Judah, was in danger. He knew Israel had already been destroyed by God. And suddenly, like a hammer hitting him, He understood that God's judgment was going to come against his nation. Now, he personally was walking clean before God. But he was the king, and he was responsible for the nation. And so he sends the secretary and one of his attendants to inquire of the Lord from a prophetess. Now, some of you will have a hard time. But yes, God can use a woman. God will use a woman to speak his word when necessary. Hilda was a pro- was a prophetess. Now, she was married and she was subject to her husband. But before God, she was a spokesman. There is no excuse for a woman to be shallow. There's no excuse for a woman to not have her heart set on fire for Jesus and to search the scriptures and to be hungry, to go deep. He said, go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah about what is written in this book that we have found. Great is the Lord's anger 
that burns against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book. They have acted not in accordance with what is written here concerning us. Well, our fathers haven't acted in accordance either with what God's will is. I remember as a child, my father would often speak about the desperate need for repentance in the church, even the Christian church, yes. And the desperate need for the culture to turn back toward God because he saw the drift toward what we have today. So they went to Huldah. This is the 22nd chapter of 2 Kings. And this is what she said to them. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Tell the man who sent you to me. This is what the Lord says. I'm going to bring disaster on this place and its people according to everything written in the book the king of Judah has read because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods and provoked me to anger by all the idols their hands have made. The man I described who spent his thanksgiving in gluttony, in drinking beers, and watching the football game has made God very angry with him. And it's a whole culture. It's American culture. We did not receive the gift of Thanksgiving Day to be gluttons and drunkards and entertained by utter wickedness. That day of Thanksgiving should have been given to prayer, the reading of the word, sharing with one another the truths of how God has led us in the last year and blessed us with his presence. That's not the way most celebrate. He says, My anger, Hilda, the prophetess, says, My anger will burn against this place and will not be quenched. Tell the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says concerning the words you heard. Because your heart was responsive, and you humbled yourself before God when you heard what I have spoken against this place and its people, that they would become accursed and laid waste. And because you tore your robes and wept in my presence, I have heard you declares the Lord. Therefore I will gather you to your fathers, and you will be buried in peace. Some friends who listened to this radio broadcast said to me, God is not interested in a man or woman while they're laughing. He's interested in a man or woman who will weep before him and humble their hearts. Do you notice the reason God gave for listening to this righteous man? And he was a righteous man. But it says you tore your robes, which was a sign of extreme grief. You wept in my presence. I have heard you, declares the Lord. In other words, because he humbled his heart. Josiah's heart was set aflame. He was not lukewarm. He was not, well, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. I'll go about my business. I'll be a successful king. He didn't need to do this to be a successful king in the eyes of the people. They loved him. 
But God was angry with the people and was going to destroy them. And you realize that after Josiah, Israel went down the hole and they were destroyed and Babylon came and carried them away in captivity and burned Jerusalem and destroyed the temple. If we could just begin to catch the cause and effect relationship of our sin before God to his judgments that he brings upon us, these are not chance judgments. Look at what's happening in America with hurricanes, earthquakes. Look what's happening with fires. Is it any surprise that the two states that had the worst fires were Colorado and California? They have become the two most wicked states in America, right along with Washington and Oregon. And great judgment is about to fall on the western United States. We're going to see them utterly destroyed. That causes me great sorrow of heart. But understand that God will not always put up with sin. He reaches a point where he says, Enough! I'm done with you! And it's not by chance that this COVID-19 thing has come and churches have been vomited out of their buildings, many going bankrupt. Many will lose their buildings before all of this is over because they can't pay the mortgage. They can't cover the, the cost that they have of the money they have borrowed from the worldly banks. That's not God's will. That's wickedness. But they didn't want to worship in a humble building. They wanted to worship in a fine facility where they could attract the world and compete with the world on stage. Utter wickedness. So go deeply into debt and think that that's God's blessing on you. How twisted. I'm deeply grieved by what I see in the church today. And I know God's judgment is on the house of the Lord. And we have been forced out of our buildings. And more great judgments are coming. God is going to judge political parties that participate and lead America into wickedness. When you say no, marriage is allowed between a man and a man, a woman and a woman. When you vote on the Supreme Court to destroy what God has built in the American family and no culture has ever succeeded that has destroyed the family unit and that's what they're doing in America when you begin to approve what God has disapproved and that's what's happening in America when I see what is happening in the burning and the looting the rioting the thuggery, the violence of Chicago, the violence and wickedness of the mayor of Detroit, of Oregon, of Washington, of California. I am deeply grieved because I know the judgments of God are going to come and many people are going to lose their lives. When I look at the utter wickedness of Miami, Fort Lauderdale. 
I know God's judgment is going to come. How do I know that? Because I read the scriptures. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Please understand. You need to either be concerned about the wickedness of your own heart or concerned about the evil and wickedness of our nation and plead as as Josiah with tears and brokenness and humility. Our hearts cannot be set on fire for Jesus by listening to praise and worship music. That's not going to do it. That's feeding the emotions. It's not creating righteousness. There must be a recognition of the righteousness of God, the holiness of God. There must be a turning from all darkness. Turn your TVs off. Stop watching all the YouTube videos. Stop playing the games, the violent, wicked video games that have captured your attention. The war games. Stop watching wickedness. Repent. Stop the the gluttony and the drinking and the party time. Stop the drugs. It's time to seek the Lord. I look at the the letter Jesus wrote to Laodicea. He said, you're blind, naked, miserable, and you don't even know it. That's America today. That's America today. And we won't know our true condition until we hear from the Word of God and we choose to humble our hearts and weep before Him and recognize that He's going to destroy what we have cherished. One man said to me, I'm so discouraged. The only time I'm happy is when I'm just doing my normal, my normal life. Because God isn't answering my prayers. Oh, my brother, my sister. God is real. His judgments are real in time and space and history. And we must turn. Our hearts are not set aflame, set on fire by God until we're willing that our hearts be set on fire with righteousness and holiness and godliness and we seek his face and we no longer love the world or the things of the world. We no longer love the flesh or the devil. We seek the face of Jesus Christ. And it's not enough to say, Oh, Jesus loves me. Jesus loved the Jewish people in Judea, the people of Jerusalem. But he allowed the Babylonians to come in and murder them and kill them. A million people died. The city was burned. The temple was utterly destroyed. God will bring judgment. Now listen to what this king did. He called together all the elders of Judah and all the elders in Jerusalem. He called together the people who lived in Jerusalem, all the priests and the prophets, 
all the people from the least to the greatest. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the temple of the Lord. Then the king stood by the pillar, and he renewed the covenant with God in the presence of the Lord, that they would follow the Lord and keep his commands, regulations, and decrees with all their hearts and souls. The people all pledged themselves to the covenant. So now it was cleanup time. He took down every article of Baal and Asherah, all the altars to the stars and the sun, the chariots, the sun chariots that were in front of the temple of the Lord. He took them all to the, to the valley, the Kidron Valley, and he burned them, and he broke up the stones The scriptures in the 23rd chapter tell us in detail exactly what he did. The priests of these wicked gods, false gods, small g, ate the unleavened bread with the righteous priests. There was nothing that was considered sacred or clean. Everything was common disrespected. So Josiah comes through like a like a fire sweeping through the nation, cleansing it, getting rid of everything. Even went out to Samaria and tore down the altars that Jeroboam had built with the calf gods, desecrated them, He got rid of all the mediums and the spiritists. He got rid of all the household gods, the idols. He got rid of every detestable thing seen in Judah and Jerusalem. But I want to read verse 26. Nevertheless, the Lord did not turn away from the heat of his fierce anger, which burned against Judah because of all that Manasseh had done to provoke him to anger. Manasseh, if you remember, repented, was put in prison, and then repented and was returned as king to Judah. But he could not right all that he had done wrong in leading the nation astray. There was no time. The Lord knows their hearts. And his anger still burns against Judah because they had provoked him to anger. So the Lord said, I will remove Judah also from my presence as I removed Israel. I will reject Jerusalem, the city I chose, and this temple about which I said, there shall my name be. How do we even talk about this? My heart is very concerned for you. Is God angry with you? Don't just say no. If you're walking in dishonesty, if you're walking in lust, if you're walking in bitterness and anger, if you're walking against the commands of the Lord, if you refuse to get serious with Him and instead are constantly defending yourself. Now, please, this is what happens. When a godly person confronts another person with their wickedness, they go, they growl, they get mad, they pout, because they have their limit. They don't want to go all the way. And so they don't. And God is angry. 
Now, the very last thing I want in my life is for God to be angry with me. I don't want the wrath of God stirred up against me. And there's many a reason why he should be very angry with me, but I have repented. I have confessed before him. I have left my sin. I now wait upon him. I am his servant. None of that came easily. It came through severe discipline in my life. It came through many mistakes. Many years ago, a member of my congregation, a businessman, said to me, Pastor, you have lousy judgment. I could have been very defensive, but instead I said, I think you're right. Please, how do I get good judgment? He said, by making those mistakes and then not doing them again, but listening to the voice of God and not making the same mistake over and over. By being directed by the Lord, I said, thank you, my dear brother. I receive that. And I have in every way since that day endeavored to exercise good judgment by learning from my mistakes and not being hard-hearted, by not being rebellious against the word of the Lord. I am by nature a very pleasing, defensive person. I'm not that way anymore. God has changed my heart. What kind of a person are you? Is God angry with you? Don't pretend he's not angry if he is. And if you're walking in any known sin, he is angry with you. And he will bring judgment upon you. I know. The pastors all say, you can sin and still go to heaven and nobody can stop sinning. They're lying to you. I have just a minute left in this broadcast, and I want to go. If you've been with me very long, you know where I'm going. I'm going to Romans. The Lord told me, this is what you're to preach. And so this is what I preach. I call for repentance in the name of Jesus Christ. I come in the name of Jesus to you. Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? How can you continue to live in rebellion against the Most High? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we've been united with him like this in his death, we certainly also will be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that is destroyed, finished. Don't tell me, oh, I'm working on that. That tells me you're walking in flesh, not the Spirit. Don't tell me you're working on it. Your life is not changed by working on it. Your life is transformed by repenting before God and allowing the Holy Spirit to come in and take full control and to break the power of that wickedness that you're walking in. Now, If we died with Christ, we believe that we'll also live with him. Verse 11, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. The invitation that I come to you with today is a very simple invitation. Please, 
Please hear me and hear my heart. You cannot be saved and you cannot go to heaven if you do not leave your sin now. That's the requirement to go. You must be washed in the blood of Jesus. You must be born from above, John 3. You must be born from above, not of flesh, but of the Spirit. You must be changed. If you were baptized by water, but you have not been changed, you were not baptized in the Spirit. Only the Spirit of God can bring new life to you. You have permission to become a child of God. But it requires that you be crucified with self. So my invitation to you today is, will you be crucified with Christ? For real, not make-believe. Will you utterly give up your life for Jesus Christ? Will you turn from all darkness? Will you turn from the television? Will you turn from the videos? Will you turn from the movies? Will you turn from the things that satisfy the, the flesh? Will you cut them out of your heart and cut them out of your life? Will you give up the judgments, the bitterness, the anger? Will you enter today the kingdom of our Lord and God, Jesus Christ? He has a kingdom, and you cannot belong to that kingdom and the kingdom of darkness at the same time. You belong to one or the other. And his invitation to you is to come and help him build his kingdom. Some of you want to call yourself a Christian and continue to live in the kingdom of this world by the principles of this world, by the interests of this world. You can't do that. Your heart must be set on fire. Set on fire by Jesus. Well, we're out of time. I'd love to hear from you. It's the last day of the month. If you'd like to participate in keeping us on the air, you can give online by going to nationalprayerchapel.com. Upper right-hand corner, click. Thank you for the number of you who have just done that. I praise God for you. Thank you. That's an answer to my prayer. You can also write to me at National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. God bless you. I love you all. I hope you hear that from my heart. I'll talk to you soon. With great joy Now unto him who is able To keep you from falling And to present you blameless Before the presence of his glory With great joy With Great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ. This is Tracy Weaver. Welcome to Prayer Life. Greetings, friends. I hope 